<laughs> okay. Did we just start a new tradition, Jeffrey? I don't know. Well, I'm so glad to meet some of you, see all of you. Today is a big day. If the Cowboys can win today, <laughs> next Sunday we got a playoff game here in Tarrant County, and all God's people said, that should have gone better too. Amen. What, it's the Cowboys. What could go wrong? Amen. Uh, Pastor Chris, I love you. And I don't want to talk much about it because then I'll get all emotional and, and everybody will see my feelings, you know, but uh, I couldn't be happier to be on the team with you. So I love you, Pastor Chris. And everybody, yeah, see, they were about, yeah. Well, I, I hope that you've each felt how much I love you, how much we love you, and I hope more than anything that you sensed and remembered how much Jesus loves you. Isn't it good just to remember? You know, one of the more common words in the Bible is remember. God's people would get all upset because they didn't have the food they wanted or something, the AC wasn't on, and they would go, God, we should have gone back into slavery in Egypt. God, it was great back in the day, and you remember how I brought you out of slavery? Remember how you had it actually pretty bad, and I helped you? And so it's just always good to remember that God is good and he loves me, you know? We're going to be in Acts chapter 9 today. If you want to go ahead and turn there or scroll there, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, Sister Tabitha in Acts chapter 9. So, you know, here we have this new day. Here we are. We're here. We're together. The room's packed. It's, it's a lot of fun. We're at church now. Now what? Okay. What do we do with our hands? What's next in this journey? You know, Christopher Columbus landed here about 1492 or so. He didn't know where he was going, didn't know where he was, didn't know where he went. Okay, so we don't want to end up like that in a few years. Where are we going? What's going on here? What, what do we intend to do? Where are we headed? Look at Acts chapter 9, verses 36 to 43. Now, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. Dorcas is kind of tough. We're going to go with Tabitha today. She was full of good works and acts of charity. What a testimony. When boiled down to one sentence, her life was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, uh, she got sick and died. And when they washed her body, they, lead, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near the town of Joppa where they were, the disciples, they heard that Peter was there at the other uh, city. And so they sent two men from their church urging Peter, said, hey, please come to us without delay and help Sister Tabitha, verse 39. So Peter rose and he went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room and all the widows huh, stood there uh, beside him weeping. And showing their tunics and other garments that Dorcas or Tabitha had made while she was alive with them. But Peter kicked everybody outside, and he knelt down next to her body and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she was a little surprised, and she sat up. And he gave her his hand and, and raised her up. And then calling all the saints of the church and widows back in, he presented her alive. And of course, it became known throughout all of Joppa, and many believed in Jesus because of this, and he stayed there in that town for a couple of more days with Simon, a tanner. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Tabitha was a disciple of Jesus who served the poor and the widows. She gave her life to serving people that were kind of forgotten in their society. And so you see in the story there, the apostle Peter kind of heard, they heard that the apostle Peter was in the next town over. So they go, hey, it's kind of a long shot, but listen to a couple guys from the church over to him and see if he can come and raise Tabitha from the dead. It seems a little wild, but maybe it may, just maybe it'll work. And so Tabitha and her church, they were in Joppa, as you just read, which was the main port city in 
Judea, okay? And what else happened in Joppa? Do y'all remember? There was a guy that he was supposed to go to Nineveh, but instead he went to Joppa and he got swallowed by a fish. It was, see, I'm one of those preachers. If you'll participate, it'll actually go better. Okay, if, if you even like just nod along, even if you say it like something like, amen, that's good, go ahead, you got freedom in this place, I'm one of the, it, actually, it actually gets better if you'll talk back to me, okay, no pressure, but go ahead. Okay, so anyway, Joppa was about 11, come on now, front sec, if you sit on the front, you got to talk back, okay, just so you know. Uh, so they were in Joppa, okay, about 11 miles from Lydda. You don't care. Okay, so Peter comes to be with them, uh, you know, maybe a two-hour walk, and so he gets there basically to awake right? Everybody's mourning. They're in funeral clothes, and they're mourning because their beloved Tabitha is now dead. And so he, he walks in and kicks everybody out of the room, okay? I don't, if you've met Peter in the Bible, I doubt he did a lot of pastoral care. I bet he just kicked him out right then and there, and he kneels next to the body, prays, says, Tabitha, go ahead and get up, and she did. She was dead, and then she's now alive. And so then Peter called all the church back in and goes, hey, everybody, here goes Sister Tabitha. And they were like, oh my goodness, it worked. It's, she's back. This is a miracle. And so Tabitha, as we get to know her today, she was just sort of an ordinary person, you know? She was an ordinary person who had an extraordinary impact because she patterned her life after Jesus's life. She saw what Jesus did, and she tried to act that way. She saw how Jesus talked, and she tried to talk like that. And so, although there's a lot we're going to notice in the passage today, I love this, these verses, Kind of the main thing that we notice is that she was dead and then came back to life. That seems to be an important detail in the text today. And so, you know, this happens a few times in the Bible. And all the miracles of raising people from the dead in the Bible are, in a real sense, signs. Right? They point to the one who has all the power, even over death, and is himself the resurrection and the life for those who know and believe and trust in him. It's who we're here worshiping today. His name's Jesus. He's alive right now. He was dead and came back to life. He still brings dead things to life today. If you're apart from Jesus today, if you walked in maybe on the hand of a friend or or you saw the new sign, you're wondering what's going on, okay, you know, I just want you to know today, Jesus went to great lengths to show you how much he loves you. He came as a baby. We just celebrated at Christmas. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And then he, even though he was without sin, hung on a cross in our place. He took our sin, our penalty, our burden onto himself and took our penalty, stood in our place. He was buried, but then. Three days later, he arose to defeat hell and the grave for you, for me. Yes. And that's who we're here celebrating today. And it all points to that Jesus loves you so much. And he really does want to be your friend, not just your Lord. Yeah, it's great that he's our Lord, but he wants to be your friend, be in a relationship with you. So in our story today, Tabitha was a very good disciple, right? She was a leader. She helped the poor. Uh, the people in the church in Joppa obviously really, really loved her. You know, sometimes I'll refer to Miss Shirley back there, uh, who's given me permission to tell you she's 95, okay? Sometimes I'll, I'll refer to Miss Shirley as the heartbeat of Redemption City. And that's my, my sense is that's kind of how the people in, at Joppa Baptist Church looked at Tabitha, that she just kind of oozed out Jesus and she just spilled out love and peace and grace, right? So that's kind of how the, the text presents her, okay? So she served. She loved people. And so now, if you were to read this story with first century eyes, 
So let's say that you, you grew up in Joppa in the first century. One thing that you would make sure that we notice is, that would jump off the page to you, is that her funeral was attended by a ton of widows. You got to understand, first century Joppa, widows were down and out. Okay, they uh, obviously, you know, their husbands had died, they couldn't get a job, and they were in poverty, and nobody felt that it was their responsibility to help them or even talk to them. They were forgotten, pushed aside, not helped by anybody. And so Tabitha notices these ladies and step toward the pain. Tabitha notices these ladies. Maybe she was in the market one day and saw them with tattered clothes, and she sewed them something together. She went over, it says in the text there that they were showing their tunics. That points to that she made their tunics for them. She cared for these ladies that the rest of society threw to the side. Tabitha took care of these women that the rest of the society forgot about entirely. And this is the kind of church that we hope to be. This is who we desire to be and become. Church, listen, we're the people who take care of people, especially the ones who society has thrown to the side. We are the people who step toward the pain who noticed the person in, the off, in our office that looks a little lonely, looks a little different, and, and like maybe they're downtrodden. And we, we don't just notice it, but we step toward it and we help. Uh, we provide loving solutions to people who need help, who are lonely, who are exhausted. One of the reasons, so we're about to start an ESL ministry here, if you know what that is. It's English as a second language. One of our young ladies in the church, Jordan, she had a conversation with uh, a person, it's been a year or two ago now, and the person didn't speak much English. And so she, and she came to me and she goes, imagine how lonely that is. Imagine how like frightening it might be that you're, on, you're driving somewhere and you can't even read the road signs, you don't know where to go. How can we help? And so she's done all this research, and in, in a couple of few weeks now, we're going to start a ministry here at the church building to teach people how to speak English, to equip them to have success in our great country, right? And so... The direction that Redemption City is going is toward the least of these. We're stepping toward the marginalized, the lonely, the exhausted, the lost. I love the ending of verse 36. I mentioned it when I was reading the text. It says that Tabitha was full of good works and acts of charity. What a testimony. They got one sentence to describe her entire life, and this is what they said. Good works, acts of charity. So that brings up my first application question, question for you today. Uh, if, what would the summary of your life be? So what would, why, what would my one-sentence testimony be? Let's say you dropped dead today. Okay, what's the summary of your life? Take a moment to think about it. Um, what would your one-sentence testimony be? He was a faithful disciple-maker and friend. She served her community and church with joy. She really did talk bad about people, didn't she? He was super passionate about how terrible the other political party was. Look at his Facebook. Okay. What would the summary of your life be? Tabitha left a mark on the people of Joppa by serving people that nobody else would even spend time with. She served the poor. She served widows. Her service to unnoticed people is the exact sort of disciple that Jesus is looking for in Fort Worth, Texas today. That's who he's looking for. The world tells us to be impressive. The kind of life they describe is going to make us happy just simply won't. If we'll just full, fill our lives full of important people doing important things, that'll finally be it. But Tabitha invested her life by serving the poor, seen by no one, and she was satisfied in Christ. So when I ask, what would your one-sentence testimony be? I really want you to think about it and be honest with yourself. So many Christians, we spend our lives on things that don't really matter, you know? And so all the while, Jesus is showing us the pathway toward peace and happiness, and it's found here in Tabitha's testimony, a life of godliness 
and serving people. That's a happy life. One of my favorite authors, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Elliot, wrote, by trying to grab fulfillment everywhere, we actually find it nowhere. The world is promising you all sorts of things that are going to make you happy and make you fulfilled, but only Christ, only in Christ will we ever find fulfillment and happiness and peace and joy. By practicing the way of Jesus, we begin to understand these things, peace and love and joy, and life as it is meant to be lived. We think money and fame and followers are finally going to do it. If I get enough of any of that stuff, I'm finally really going to be fulfilled, but it leaves us emptier than before. We think that more powerful and, and, and prettier friends and better friends will make us happy, but serving, Je- serving people like Jesus served people brings real happiness. Don't buy what the world's selling. Uh, they have really good PR. They have really good marketing, but all that stuff they promise is going to make you happy won't. Happiness is found by practicing godliness and serving people. Look again at verse 39. Peter walked in the room where Tabitha's body was laid, and it says, all the widows stood beside him weeping. See that word? So the the, the word there doesn't point to one single tear falling down their cheek. Okay? These precious women are sobbing at the sight of their friend. Can you picture it? Again, a bunch of precious widows who had been forgotten, finally had their person, and now she's dead. Uh, and they're just crying their eyes out. They're, they don't know that she's about to come back to life. Who would ever expect that? Who would ever anticipate what's about to happen in the next couple of verses? So here's my second application question I'd like for you to, to write down and think about this week. Who would cry at my funeral? Not who, <laughs> that's it, come on now. Not not who would be there. Oh, the mayor's here. This dude was something. Come on. No. Who would cry? Again, verse 39, mentioning that they were showing their tunics shows that she made their clothes for them. She fed them. She cared for them emotionally, spiritually. They needed Sister Tabitha. They loved her. They knew she loved them, and they're crying their eyes out at her funeral. So let's be a little morbid and think about our funerals right now. Who would be crying at yours? Who are you serving in Jesus' name today that if you were to drop dead, would be crying at your funeral later this week or next week? Would there be a bunch of former foster kids going, I wouldn't have had a home if not for them? Or maybe there's a guy there at your funeral going, you know what? I messed up. I messed up and everybody in my life deserted me except for them. I messed up. It's my fault. But everybody in my life left except for them. They were at my house every night during my darkest days. I think of Jeff and Kimberly Brooks who serve refugees at least every Saturday. So at their funeral, God forbid, would be filled with all these people going, I, I felt welcome for the first time, you know. Who are you serving today like Tabitha served these widows? Look for opportunities to open your home, open your table, to step into someone's life to serve people. My wife and I just went to a wedding uh, invited by some of our neighbors. And so one of their children is, uh, you know, very close friends with my daughter, and it was amazing. Grandparent after grandparent was coming up to my wife, thanking her for being so great to their grandkids. And so my wife spends a lot of her time making our space, our home, her minivan, welcoming for our kids' friends. And with that, with with hospitality, with kindness, with patience, you know, you don't have to preach like Billy Graham to change the world, right? Her minivan is a weapon in God's kingdom. Okay? (laughs) Things that used to be ordinary are now extraordinary in our culture and society. Patience and kindness and hospitality. 
you are part of God's kingdom, and he wants you to join in on the mission. Let's serve Fort Worth, our neighbors, our coworkers, the people in our gym, our friends, our classmates, the people all around us. You know, one of the godliest things that you could do this week is bake some cookies, walk across the street, and check on a neighbor. Again, if you look for people to serve, needs to meet, you're going to find them. Get creative, take initiative. I doubt that Tabitha signed up on a paper sheet as it went around her small group for the widow ministry. I bet she saw a lady that looked like she needed some food. I bet she saw some ladies that looked like they needed some help, and she stepped toward the pain. You know, my granddaddy used to always say, everybody's having a tough time. Everybody's having a tough time. That, everybody in your office is going through a family crisis or some kind of relationship, relationship that's working or some kind of something. That's, everybody's going through it with people that you're going to school with. People all around you are exhausted and lonely, and you know, everybody's having a tough time. And your couch, your table, your minivan is a weapon in God's hands to impact lostness all around us. Us serving people is how Jesus intends to save the world. You know? Think of Zacchaeus. Y'all remember Zacchaeus? Little dude has zero friends, okay? He was eaten up with greed and selfishness, and he was broken, and he was so lonely. You know, that, you know what, the, what that kind of life produces. And so make no mistake, Zacchaeus was a bad dude. He was not a good person. The taxation he executed on his people kept them in poverty. The economic system that he was a part of, really, it, it crippled people. He took food off of their place and put it, on, put it onto his. He was not a good person. So Jesus called that really wicked guy down from a tree and said, hey, let's go have some dinner. Let's go talk. And so um, Jesus didn't go to Zacchaeus and start with, oh, wicked sinner in the sycamore tree, I condemn you today. No, he said, hey, let's grab some pita bread and talk, you know? And now, Jesus got to Zacchaeus' sin. He approached that, of course, but that was after the meal in the context of relationship. And Zacchaeus was pumped, man, because nobody ever wanted to go to his house, much less have a conversation with him or anything like that. And you can read the story later in Luke 19, I encourage you to. But after one meal with Jesus, the greediest man in the Bible goes, I'm about to give all my money away. I just want you, Jesus. And see, that's the thing about radical love. It invites us to do radical, or invites other people to do radical things. And this is where we enter the story, all right? Jesus has called you to himself so that you'll love people in a radical way, so that you'll recline at the table with sinners and outcasts and greedy people and broken people, people just like us, right? I know what you're thinking. Maybe this whole sermon today, maybe you're thinking, I can't be like Tabitha. She's like a super Christian. She's in the Bible, I can't be like, Tabitha, what are you talking? You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've done. You don't know my story. There's no way that I could make this world-changing thing like Tabitha can do. Okay, Noah got drunk. Thomas was a doubter. Jonah ran from God. He hated people. Gideon was full of fear. Abraham was like super old. Okay. Rahab was a prostitute. Martha was a worrier. Peter denied Jesus in public. And then Jesus founded his church with him. Jesus can use anybody. Okay, and you know, Jesus and his spirit are the ones that do the changing, right? And Jesus can change anybody, by the way, including that person in your office or in your family who you think can't ever change. That person you think is too far gone, Jesus can save that person. You know enough to reach people for Christ. Jesus loves me, this I know. Now go, offer your life to God. I count that as an amen, by the way. 
You're ready. Get after it. And, you know, we don't change by just kind of white-knuckling this thing and trying our best to change ourselves, okay? We surrender our lives and our goals and our desires and our dreams, and we submit to his lordship. And then we get to serving people. Again, you don't change by just hoping that you'll change. Uh, You change by changing, by changing what you do on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays. You change by changing, by living out what the Bible describes, and then Jesus and his spirit do the changing from the inside out. You know, you probably have noticed the more that your world is about you, the kind of more angry and tired you'll be. And the more that your world is about others and the more it's about serving, the kind of freer you are. You ever notice that? And so God's kingdom is oftentimes upside down like that. To to gain your life, you lose it. To be blessed, you give away. According to the Bible, the objective is not to learn to love yourself, as the world tells us it is. It is to actually deny yourself. So, And this is a total shift from what the world preaches. God's way pushes against the world's way at every turn. So two questions for you that I want you to write down and think about this week from Tabitha's story. What would my one-sentence testimony be? And who would cry at my funeral? There was a student in our church. They moved away, Micah Goff. Uh, His family moved to uh, uh, upstate New York last year to help uh, a church be revitalized. But they left the best Goff, Elaine Goff, still with us, okay, going to school. So Micah, uh, his dad, so he was starting a little lawn business. He's a 16-year-old kid, hard worker. And so he was going to start a lawn business. And his dad is encouraging him, hey, you know, make mission part of it. As you, you know, go work hard, make money, that's great. As you're doing that, you know, serve people, and just like we're talking about today. So, and then, so I'm kind of meeting with him, and Mike goes uh, to his son, hey, tell Pastor Matt kind of about that. And Micah goes, yeah, so I've been uh, mowing widow's lawns for free. It's like, man, that's awesome. Micah, way to go. That's, that's amazing. How do you find the widows? And he goes, I look for tall grass. It's not rocket science what we're talking about today. So this is the vision for making disciples as a church, serve your neighbor. Notice the other, the overlooked around you, in the coffee shop, on your street, like Jesus did. And you know, honestly, we have to face the fact that church attendance is plummeting across the country. 40 million less Americans are in church today than 25 years ago. It's the biggest spiritual shift in American history, okay? But I don't think they're saying we hate you. I think they're saying we don't think about you. Honestly, you know, if you lived in Iran and you were in debt, you wouldn't think, I wonder if the imam at the mosque down the street has a 10-step class that I can learn how to get out of debt. It wouldn't, it wouldn't cross your mind. And so the people around us, it's not crossing, the people around us, they're not thinking, I wonder what that pastor's next sermon series is. They couldn't care less, okay? So we have to initiate. We get to walk across the street. So that's why there are invitations in your seats, okay? You can put it in your purse or your bag or whatever it is. Use these. Invite people, okay? Again, that's the vision. That's where we're headed, to focus on loving everyone around us, to invite them over, to invite them out, to invite them here. And as we live that out, uh, Jesus' love and his glory is going to spread all over Fort Worth. Fort Worth will change because God sent us here, you know? One last thought. Caleb, if you want to come on up. Um, today's great. Nobody loves a full room more than the pastor. Okay. No, this is amazing. Okay. But what happens 
when this kind of thing happens, and, and more people are going to, you know, we're going to spread the word, people are going to come, and we're going to go to multiple services. All that's going to be so great. But what happens, success sometimes becomes its own vision. You ever experienced that? That you're like, oh, it's a full room, that's the vision. No. Okay. Uh, what we're after is way bigger than a full room. What we're after is way bigger than 10% growth year over year, okay? We want God's glory to shine all over the city. We want to build for God's kingdom and seek the renewal of the city by making disciples. You make disciples in Fort Worth and around the world. And that happens by serving your neighbor, by reaching out, by noticing. Let me pray for you, and then Pastor Chris is going to come and share the Lord's Supper with us. As, as I pray, if you would go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to commit to this. Um, to be a church member, to be part of a church isn't a front row seat. You're in the game. You're on the court. So as I pray, I want you to commit to getting on mission. Uh, Father, we give our church to you. It's your church. These are your people. Help us, mold us, guide us, send us. It's all yours. God, invade our hearts all the more. Give us ideas, give us initiative to reach people with compassion and in love. In Jesus' name, amen.